This is going to be something out of prayer, so let's pray. <laughs> Dear Lord, you have prepared all things. You have made a way for us to come to you. Jesus, you make us right in you. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship and the smiles and the communion that was had in those precious five minutes. Thank you for the encouragement. Would um, the words that we talk about and message um, today be refreshing and joyful in, um, in our hearts and would our spirit come alive? Would you prepare me to share that which you have for your people? Yes. Amen. 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 my junior year of um, college, I decided to memorize all of James. Um, it took me about two months, um, and I went slowly. And if you've ever memorized a large piece of scripture, um, you can know that it, it hits at you at deeper, deeper moments just in the daily life. Um, and if you haven't memorized scripture, I would encourage you to do so. Um, so I want to just read this scripture again and again. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person might not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So, I think we can go to church often, meet people that are very passionate about God, hang out with pastor, hang out with someone who really is employed in the ministries, and get excited about God. We can come here, be all hyped up on being steadfast for God, but it's that's, and that's a tool that God used, right? Our community. But it's actually the trials of life that produce steadfastness. We all want to be complete in Christ. Perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But we don't like the process in which it comes. I remember 
Um, just in my own testimony, when I went through a really hard season in my junior year, that prompted this memorization of James where I had this really bad breakup. Um, I thought I was going to marry this person. I had this whole thing that my life would be complete, perfect, lacking nothing if I just had this plan come through. But when that ended, I had to remind myself that in the scriptures, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And another translation of that is the Lord is my shepherd, I lack no good thing. If you're in a trial or tribulation right now, you lack no good thing in Christ. Isn't trials just an opportunity over and over again to remind yourself of this one thing, that you may be perfect and complete? That the thing that you're struggling over, the thing that you want change in, is not necessary for God's love to shower upon you. I think so often, even in the last few weeks as we've been going through um, Noah and the ark, and needing to be this, this type of presence for God to come upon. It's in fact like the moments of our trials that we see the Spirit of God resting upon us, perfect and complete. We don't need to come to God with some kind of formula or some sort of pre-washing. He comes to us in our trials. I had a friend last night who's LDS, um, and I've been hanging out with him maybe once uh, a week for the last three, three years. We're both in medical school. He you know, came to the, the Latter-day Saints faith through his family, which is very common for most people. Um, but he's had a number of health issues, a number of losses in his family, that his, he just kind of came out and said it within like two sentences of hanging out at his house for his birthday party. And he said, I'm really questioning my mortality. And in my own life, I have lost two grandparents in the last six months both of which who acted like fathers to me. Um, one whom, from the time I came to faith in middle school, I automatically knew that I, what I would say on his burial day, which was, he has run the race well. Amen. Crown him with many crowns. And how did he get there is by asking the same questions that my friend asked. Questioning their mortality, thinking about what they're living for. So often we go through trials and focus on the self and how we're going to get out of this trial. And we don't focus on how God is opening up eternity to us in the process. I was um, 
I do these like little prayer walks in the mornings or at nights. And I just kind of let the songs go on shuffle in my little iPod because I still have an iPod. Um, it's really bad, but I just don't like having text messages come in when I'm listening to songs. Um, and um, I don't know if you guys know this song, but it's uh, uh, Lose My Soul. It's by like Toby Mac. It's like, I don't want to gain my whole world and lose my soul. And it's in, trial, it's in trials that we discover our soul because we're giving up ourselves. We're no longer concerned about if we do trials well, we are streamlined, kind of like how you know, great sculptors take away all the, the negative space and come out with a beautiful sculpture at the end. That is what God is trying to do in us. And um, when I was going through my own trial in that junior year of college, um, God reminded me of this scripture. And it said, um, I think it's in Isaiah that says, I am the potter and you are the clay. How dare you question what I'm making? Don't question what God is doing you in the trials. God is doing something, as in the book of Haggai, that you would never comprehend. Right? He's doing something that you would never even comprehend. So when we look at the scripture, count it joy, my brothers. Why should we count it joy if we're going something through hard, really hard? We should count it joy because it's actually bringing out the spirit in us and the truth that resides within us that's eagerly longing for a breath. But it's the thing that is bringing us into trials. As in James, he later says, why do you fight? Why do you quarrel amongst you? You want but do not receive because you want wrongly and you spend it on your own desires. And you like want, but you don't receive because you don't ask. And I think a lot of our trials is because we want wrongly in this world. We want to be full and complete with something that was never designed to make us full. If having a son or daughter be perfect and say exactly the right things is going to bring you joy. That's not going to be it. If, if not losing a loved one too early would have made your life happy, it's not it. If getting a degree or a job or security, it's not it. It's joy though when you find God in the trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I think about, do you ever think about like when you sin and yet God is still there, ready to receive your confession? And you think it's, I think it's almost like a, it's almost like a shock to the system 
that God would still be there quietly ready to receive our confession. Yeah. And um, one thing that I just, as an aside, think that we should do more as a church, and I think is a sign of a healthy church, is to confess. We all have things to confess. Old, young, new to the faith, you know, whatever it might be, we all have things to confess. So when we have time like this, after the message, whatever time you have, even if it's just with your spouse or with your daughter or with your loved one, take time to confess. Because sin entraps us, but confession frees us. Do we ever get to these points where we have a little bit of fire with God, a little bit of passion, but then it dies away? We haven't had a full effect. This is what the scripture says. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. There's this... Um, There's this uh, time in history um, where the Roman Empire was covering like most of the Western world. And um, Constantine elected to have Christianity be the main public religion. And Christians all over the world, all over the known Western world were rejoicing, thinking that this would got rid of their trials, that finally we would be acknowledged. We don't have to go under the persecution because of our faith. But, a, but at the same time, many Christians knew that this was going to dilute their faith because the trials were the ones that were igniting their faith into full flame. And as the decades went by when Christianity was the major religion, it did. Christianity became diluted by the, the, the world around us. And so a group of people called the Desert Fathers, who were men and women, went to the desert and lived kind of monastically to preserve the, the fire of God the desire to be um, fully set apart for God, sanctified, right? Sanctified means to be set apart. Um, and so they went out called the Desert Fathers, and one Desert Father was saying to another uh, lesser, uh, uh, or younger, younger man, and the younger man's like, how do I become, you know, more devout? Like, I've, I've done the right things, like, as Jesus was taught, or, uh, the scripture saying, you know, the young man, the rich young ruler is like, how do I become more intensely devote, devout? Um, and um, the desert father said this, you could become all flame, all flame. What does that mean? That means you could live your life where the spirit is so on fire that none of you is not ignited. And 
how do you get to that full effect of the Holy Spirit? Read in the scriptures. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and this steadfastness has a full effect. Every trial you're going through is allowing an opportunity for the Spirit to become bigger and brighter and more powerful and warm for those who are around you. It's so interesting that we, in Christianity, have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But we ourselves are male and female. We have the Father, the Son, obviously male. But then the Spirit, I can't help but think that it is female in ways. That the Spirit coming alive in us is this warm, nurturing, all-encompassing, but yet thoughtful and insightful and knows exactly for where you to go. I think moms know exactly where their children should be going and be doing. And I think the Spirit wants to do that in us through the trials of life. I see you going through that, child. I want you to come alive. I want you to come alive. Let's move on to the next couple verses. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Let him let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man and stable in all his ways. I think, let's just point out the obvious. We don't ask God for things. I think we, like, oftentimes think God knows about our stuff and we don't even pray about it because he knows. And we don't ask boldly enough to allow the Spirit to ask boldly because I think the Spirit really wants us to ask boldly, um, to see people in our lives know God, to see our own sins be conquered that haven't been conquered in decades, if we're being honest. And in my own life, I, I know sins that I think will never change. And I doubt that. But let us be encouraged that we can ask in faith. The scriptures say that we can not be double-minded. I think we often feel like the human condition is just set in stone, that we're double-minded, that we have full of doubts. But this is saying that we, there can be a life without some of those doubts. Now I think doubts generally have been dismissed in Christian culture too, too quickly by people who are comfortable with church for those who are not comfortable in church. I think doubts are the reasons why we all end up here, right? Doubts about the world, doubts about whether or not it will satisfy us, doubts about whether or not our life has meaning. And it does. All of our lives have meaning. But these are not the doubts that James is talking about. These are the doubts of whether or not like God will show up for us. God will have mercy on us. God 
does have mercy on us. There's no doubt about that. Whenever you question God's love, you have to look and see he sent his son. Why would he hate us if he would send that which is most precious to die? And it was out of joy that he endured the cross, right? It was for this joy set before him that he endured. There's no, there should be no doubt that he loves us. But it is, why does, why does he talk about doubt in the same grouping as trials? Because trials breed either doubt or trials breed conviction and steadfastness. So when you meet various trials, don't be a person who doubts God's love. Be saturated in community that will that will push you forward to see that God loves you, man. God loves you in these trials. I think we forget because we're alone and Satan just wants to isolate all of us, silo us, make us think that we're alone in the trial, that we alone doubt. But when we get together with brothers, sisters, man, like, the joy of the Lord is here. Count it joy, my brothers, because we can share someone else's joy in the struggle. So it's not that we shouldn't doubt. Because doubt gets us here. Doubt gets us to a place where we want God. But do not doubt the actions that God has done in your life. Go back to your testimonies in the times of trials. Go back to your own victories. It's by the word of the Lamb and our testimonies that we overcome. Right? Revelation says that. Has anyone looked at the sea and tried to, like, um, there's this funny, I, I'm grow, I grew up in Monterey, um, and so I worked at the aquarium, and um, there's this big tank in the Monterey Aquarium where there's about, I don't know, a thousand sardines. And they have this game where they have all the kids, like, okay, look at one sardine and try to track it for more than 10 seconds. And it's impossible, right? The sardines are gone like all over and you can't even pick out one. How much more hard would it be to pick out a single molecule of the ocean and see where it goes when their waves are crashing? We can't have any steadfastness when the ocean is going like crazy. So I think about that when it says the wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. There's no, there's no ground to that molecule. There's no way to know where that's found. And I think oftentimes when we're not reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel, that God loves us, we are, we are just tossed and turned. Have you ever come, to, I've come to this often in my life where at the end of the day, I'm still upset or feel like the, work, the day wasn't complete. I need something more. I, I want to 
watch one more Netflix thing, or I want to, you know, have one more bite to eat, or I want to, like, read one more book, chapter, I want to play one more song of music, I want to have one more thing. Yeah. This, this desire to think that this is not enough. Does anyone else feel that way sometimes? I think there's like even a sociological term for it, like this desire to not end the day. Why do we feel that way? When we are perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We need to acknowledge our steadfastness, that tomorrow will come. Tomorrow in, in the fact that there's going to be another day tomorrow, but that tomorrow will come. That when we question bigger things like mortality, like whether or not we're, we're made with meaning, that tomorrow, the day of Christ, the day of heaven, will also come. Um, yeah, I think this, this passage is really hard because it's talking about stability and being steadfast in your trials. And I think we either give up our trials too easily and defer them for another season. Yeah. There's, um, there's this really amazing person called St. John of the Cross. Imagine just being called St. John of the Cross. Um, and he was around, I think in the 1800s, long time ago. And he describes this thing called the wall. And there's a wall in which you go through life and the first part of your life with God is awesome. You're full flame. You love God. You love to obey Him. You want to talk about Him. You want to go to all the meetings. You want to fill the community groups with people. And you want everything about it to go that way. And that's the first phase of Christian life. Then there's this second phase, which St. John the Cross calls the wall, which you hit this obstacle. It may not even be able to identify by yourself, but it's some kind of trial in which after it, you've never you're not able to relate to God in the same way as the beginning. You're not in this fervent kind of quick growth phase of life. You're in this steadfastness of life. And there are times when you go through many walls in your life, but oftentimes what John said is that most people just bounce off the wall and say, I'm not going to do that for, for now. This trial, this, this issue in my life, I'm just going to get rid of it. The sin that led me to not have this meaningful relationship, I'm just going to get rid of the relationship and therefore I don't have this issue anymore. How many men have I known that have said, oh, once I'm married, I'm not going to look at porn anymore? That's just not going to be true. 
and we try to bounce off this wall, this area of growth, if we just push through, we could experience steadfastness on the other end. But most of us don't go through the wall. We bounce off of it. We defer trials for another season. When I'm less busy, when I'm less overwhelmed, I'll deal with this sin. When I'm less tired, I'll finally confess this and I'll get healthy about this. But today is the day of salvation, right? Today is the day we're all here. How many people can we confess to in this building? Everyone almost. So let us ask God who gives generously to all without reproach that which we need for these trials. It's amazing that it says gives generously. I think we think God is stingy with us because we haven't seen growth in these trials. But he's generous. And let us be reminded of that today. So I guess as I close a little bit, I want us to value steadfastness. I want to value steadfastness. As I'm thinking about this, I like want the day, I never want the day to end. I want the, I want to do more. I want to like experience one more thing to be perfect and complete. But if I just am faithful as God is faithful to know that tomorrow will come, that God redeems all things for his purpose. I think that kind of steadfastness is what God is looking for. He does not delight in sacrifices, but right living. Um, so let's not be driven, tossed by the wind, but get grounded with one another. Latch on to one another. If someone's an anchor in your community, go to that anchor who's anchored by Christ, right? Do something different about your trial. Something that reflects the generosity of God. For God is generous. Let us pray. Dear Lord, um, I have no idea what, what people might take from this time. I don't even know what I'll take from this time. God, you are generous and you love us. You are faithful when we are not faithful. You have all the wisdom that we need. We are perfect and complete, lacking in nothing because of Jesus. Not because our faith has failed or because our trials are too strong. Would we accept that days will end without us feeling amazing. Let us experience your steadfastness. Would we, God, just get close enough to you that that would rub off? Would we reach out to one another in confession? And would we suppose that we will receive things from you, God, when we tr trust that you love us. Mm -hmm.
and you anchor us. Would we be gentle to one another in our trials, knowing that we all come to God in different ways? And would we rejoice today? God, you've given us an amazing day to be with you. I'm so thankful for this time to be here and to talk. And um, God, I pray that we would acknowledge your plan and your plan for goodness in our trials. That our trials make us more like Jesus. And without them, we are made more like the world. We thank you for this time and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can we just, one more time, just give a round of applause to Drew. Thank you, Drew. And thank you to Nala and Jackson for uh, prayer and scripture. Um, thank you all for being here uh, for Youth Explosion. Um, I think Drew is an example of someone I don't know very well, but um, whatever is coming out of him, you can tell he's poured into himself the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. And all that is just, it, it comes out. And if you were ever put in a position to kind of express um, or share what you know about God or share a message, could you do that? Um, if someone were to ask you, and, and it's pretty apparent that Drew, um, what comes out of him is, is, is it's love, it's God, it's, um, it's amazing. Um, more than just what he said, uh, what I witnessed was um, very convicting for me to know that um, what am I pouring into myself? What comes out be Drew-like, if that makes sense, because what came out of him, it was amazing. Uh, so I'm just going to turn it over to our pastor. Thank you uh, once again. Sister Jones, you always know what to play. Yes, yes. And I am so glad that Jesus lifted me. Drew Wadecki, uh, come on up here. Natalie DeBell, uh, come up here. Uh, I don't know who you were planning to marry in your junior year of college. <laughs> You're an awesome couple. For those of you who don't know, they are in med school. Drew is um, uh, interning as a physician. Natalie is interning as a psychologist or psychiatrist? Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. For, uh, for whatever reason, there was a, uh, a hiccup. And uh, Drew didn't know he was supposed to speak this morning.
joy, Beacon Tracy. Do, do we really count it all Do we really? We can lie to ourselves and say, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I count it all joy. I wouldn't even want to be in my spot. So I know you don't want to be in my spot. And we do hit that wall and we bounce back and we stay content in the suboptimal level of relationship that God desires for us. And then we wonder, why haven't I reached that level? And at the same time, we're doing the moonwalk in reverse. Yeah. We're, 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 we're just backing off. We're just backing off. Um, I got new, two new BFFs, um, DeAnthony and, uh, where did you go, DeAnthony? Kayla, DeAnthony, come on up here. Just, just, just come on. He was looking for the restroom and he ended up finding Sister Ford's cake. So <laughs> that's a boy after my own heart. <laughs> and Kayla, this is her first time with City Church, and uh, they both shared. They both shared, I love the vibe that's going on here. And so uh, I take no credit, it's, it's the Holy Spirit of God, and it is you. Let's stand, let's go home. I am so glad that Jesus lifted me. I am so glad that Jesus lifted me. Join the hand of the person next to you. Our Father, our God, again, we want to say thank you. Thank you for Christ. He does all things well. Thank you for the sweet communion of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the preached word. Thank you for the prayer. Thank you for the reading of the word. Thank you for our praise team. Thank you for everyone that calls on your name. Father, all of us, uh, broken people, coming to you to kneel, to, to, for restoration, for confession, for the love that we desire that only comes from you. Be with us this day. Watch over us, please. Keep us, keep us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. As we go down from this place, let us be salt and light to a very dark and tasteless world. It's in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. We ask it all. Let every heart say, Amen. 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 Amen.